Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are discussing Longshot. It was directed by Jacob Mendola and just goes to show that television really can say lies. It was released on Netflix in 2017, which I was shocked by because I've only just recently been like, it's only recently been suggested to me. And also do not confuse this with the shitty Seth Rogen, Charlie's Theron rom-com. Yeah, I was actually gonna, to mention that, like, when I was searching for this. Yes. It was definitely confused with the other long <laughs> shot, which I don't even remember coming out. I remember we watched, like, 30 minutes of it, and we're like, this is dumb, and turned it off. Yeah, I don't even remember it. Um... Also, this documentary is literally like 40 minutes. Yes. It's very short, but it probably took me the most time doing research on. Which I actually, as I was leaving, I was like, who knew a 40-minute documentary would be like the longest and most difficult one we've ever done? And there's also a lot of notes because we're following two different timelines throughout this, so I'm hoping this makes sense. Right, and, it's, and that's the thing is like, this is, this is a lot more than his case this is like it has so many people involved and it's like two cases in one kind of situation yeah definitely it's very complex and i had already looked into it before i even suggested it and yet there was still so much more to learn yeah like i could tell you the basic story of it but yeah not like what happened to this person really because that's not explored in this that much no and that's the thing is like when i so, because I listened to the case file episode, um, which I can't recommend more highly, like it is seriously like the best podcast ever. Um, but like they did episode 134 and I had listened to that and I was like, oh my God, this is absolutely insane. And so I went to go Google her to find out more information about her case. And, there's and nothing. all that pops up is him. Yeah. It's literally just all about him. And I'm like, holy shit, there was like a whole other crime committed before mm-hmm. this whole disaster like yeah so yeah it's it's a lot so we will start with may 1st 2003 a 16 year old girl named martha puebla is in court testifying at a prelim- preliminary hearing for her ex-boyfriend boyfriend sometimes i keep hearing different stuff yeah like they had dated at some point i don't know that they were dating then he was a gang member with the Vineland boys. And I would also like to say, I did not realize it was Vineland until I had Googled them because when I listened to Case File, he's Australian. Mm -hmm. And while he has a very soothing voice, I thought he was saying the violence boys, (laughs) which would have made a lot of sense too. Uh, His name was Jose Ledesma about the 2002 shooting death of gang member Christian Vargas that had occurred outside her home. She testifies that she didn't witness anything, and on May 12, 2003, she is shot dead in front of her home. Which is not a coincidence. No. So now we move to August 12, 2003. Juan Catalan is heading into work with his girlfriend and daughter... I don't know if it was both daughters or just one daughter. They really only focused on the one. Yeah, they really only showed the one. So I, for a while, forgot that he even had two daughters. Two, yeah. Because one's six and the other's four? Yeah. Uh, they're in the car with him. They pull up to the shop he works at. It's a family shop. And as he's getting out of the car, 
cops swarm him with guns drawn. And during this, he talks about how his dad poked his head out of the shop to kind of see what was going on. And Juan, at this part point, is yeah. already, like, breaking yeah, down. Yeah, he's, he's breaking down, talking about his dad, you know, standing there seeing him being, like, swarmed by police. Yeah, it's sad. That has to be so scary. Yeah. Just no idea what's happening. You just pull up to go to work with and, your family in the car. And, and guns suddenly yeah. pointed at you. Yeah, it was definitely... He says he wasn't the greatest guy growing up. His older brother was into some gang shit, which, as a young kid who looking up to his older brother... It makes sense that he would yeah, get involved. Yeah, he got involved to it. Uh, it seemed like he just was, like, stealing cars and car parts. It's not great, but definitely not the worst trouble. He had gone to prison at some point, and that basically scared him straight once yeah, he, he got out. Yeah, he was just like, fuck that, I'm not doing that yeah. ever again. So he's in an interrogation room, and he is charged with the May 12th, 2003 murder of 16-year-old Martha Puebla. And she's beautiful. Like, they do not talk about her this much. No, they don't talk about her really at all. Like, yeah. it's it's really the whole documentary is focused on him, which yeah. I get it because it's about his situation, but, you know, they don't really talk about what happened leading up yeah. to this whole disaster, and it is fucked up. Like, yeah. it's really fucked up. So the case she had previously testified in also involved Juan's older brother, Mario, which is weird because she gets up in court and says she didn't even see anything. So I don't... Why would they even have her testify? Because they were really trying to push it. They just... They had already, you know, done some things. And so they were trying to really it's drive it home. strange. Like, you know she's not going to say anything, but... No, because she's fucking terrified. And I think that's, like... I mean, when you hear that, like, you know, she's dating a gang member. And the friend who is shot is a gang member. Like, it's yeah. pretty clear, like... They don't live in a great area. No. And so, unlike me, who's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I know, I saw this and this. Like, I don't live in an area where I have gun violence all the time. And so, like, I'm just like, oh, why wouldn't you cooperate with the police? But he's obviously, like, gang signs. Is that how you shoot guns? (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. The interrogation makes me really angry. He's telling the cops he had nothing to do with this and he would never murder someone. And the cops' response is, well, convince us. Like, if somebody is already set on something, it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, this isn't You're like, not going to change This isn't mind. a political debate. Like, yeah. convince us. And it's only harder to stand up for yourself when you're talking to somebody in charge. Like, yeah. That's... Like, these are the police. And this is, like, a young Hispanic man. Yeah. Like, it's Let's so get real. So lucky for Juan, at least, he has a cousin who is a filing clerk for a lawyer, which I would love to be in, like, close friendship proximity. To a lawyer? To a lawyer. Yeah. Even a doctor would be great. God, I wish like, I knew a doctor. Uh, I just got a UTI. Can you just give me some antibiotics so I don't have to pay for a doctor's appointment? And My friends need to step <laughs> it up a little bit. Like, I know. People got to go to Chiropractor, school. like, we need, oh I need people God, that are, yes. like... Like, in the know. Like, we need we need connections here. <laughs> Todd Melnick is a criminal defense lawyer, which, that's perfect. He looks like he'll be a politician at some point. I love him. He has 10 years of experience at this point, so at least it's not some new guy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just got out of law school. I'll take your case for free. Yeah, totally. Normally, I hate suspect sketches, but this one was pretty close. It was spot on, but like they said... I mean, 
the gang was comprised of mostly Hispanic men with mustaches <laughs> and short brown hair. Like, even Juan thinks it looks like him, so he it does. fits the description like, somewhat. It was like they looked at his picture and, like, drew the sketch off of it. Yeah, like, it's like Stephen Avery. Stephen Avery shit, yeah. The suspect had a little bit of a beard, so the cop questioned Juan on if he had a beard that day. And they have this little tiff where Juan's like, if I had a beard that day and shaved it to disguise myself, why wouldn't I also shave my mustache? (laughs) And And the cop's really shitty. He's like, because you're a cool guy. What does that mean? (laughs) Which just reminded me of the fact that like now everyone's growing those stupid little mustaches, and I fucking hate it because it reminds me of my dad in like the early nineties. So they do a photo lineup or a six pack, as they keep mentioning. Yeah, which, every single article which I learned, and Case File mentioned too, and it was just like so hilariously adorable when he's like it's a photo line a six pack which is a photo lineup comprising (laughs) photo lineup (laughs) it's six people and you have to identify the one (laughs) and whoever the witnesses picked him out some of the other dudes like nothing liked him so that's shitty it was it was a crappy photo uh, six pack also this murder happened may 12th but the lineup was done on june 30th which that seems like a long time to remember what some stranger looked like. Yeah, that you barely saw yeah, I don't at know night. And then he's not even arrested until August 12th. This seems like a pretty big gap That's in time. a lot of time to let a criminal stand that on they the street. Sh- so sure about. Yeah. Like, you murdered a girl, but we, we gave you a few weeks to... Yeah, I was like, I understand this stuff takes a long time, but that seems like a big gap between at least the lineup... And the arrest. Law and order made it seem so fast to get a warrant. (laughs) Anyway, his lawyer Todd believes in his innocence, which thank God we've heard stories of people like being innocent, but their lawyers don't believe them. Yep, heard that. Yeah, they just don't even try to give a defense. It's like you're supposed to be defending them. Yeah, like you didn't call any witnesses. don't want to take this further and also we're both gonna end up in jail if we're ever interrogated and asked where we were on a random day months ago i was actually just thinking that on my drive over here i was like do i know what i was doing three months ago no like i would have to really like look at my calendar look at my bank statements like i would have to do a lot of investigating because i don't fucking know so lucky for this guy his girlfriend remembers they were at a dodgers game yeah, she's like, oh, that was near Mother's Day. Which normally we would remember if we went to a sports game, because that's not something that happens often. But he was a diehard fan who went often. So yeah, he was like... So if you were to be like, told you were at a game, you'd probably be like, okay. Like, I mean, if you told me I was at, like, my kid's game, I'd be like, you know what, that probably, whatever, yeah. like, three or four days out of the week, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, his girlfriend definitely remembers, because... He tried to pass off the Dodgers tickets as a Mother's Day gift. <laughs> he knew his mom wasn't gonna want to go. Yeah, and he could so still he's like, like oh, I, I got you a tickets. gift. Yeah, and then he took them for himself. Which, I mean, I know, I'm sure I've done that before. He's at a baseball game the night of the murder, which, that's an easy thing to prove, right? Of course not. He almost didn't even go to the game, because it was on such short notice, he didn't have anyone to go with. But he decides to take his daughter, which, that's cute. Kids always have fun at stuff like that. And he also took a cousin and friend. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, why were they not, like, enough proof that he went? Well, that's, like, the one guy we've talked about before where he got convicted of killing his wife even though he was at a D&D game with friends. 
Yeah, I like at what point like I know that like sometimes people lie for their friends, but like if multiple people are like, ah no, like we were definitely at that Dodgers game together, like yeah, why is that not enough proof? Yeah, but then they even asked people who sat next to him and they couldn't say for sure that he was there. Well no shit, there's a lot of people. <laughs> so around ten o'clock that night, Martha comes out of her house to talk to some fellow youths, as they said. And they're standing outside talking when a Chevy Malibu drives slowly around the block several times. Which That's creepy. When you live in a neighborhood, I would have imagined, like, I mean, I live in a nice neighborhood. Someone does that. I'm probably going to call the police. Yeah. So the driver gets out and walks up to Martha. And Martha indicates that she knows who the guy is. And he says he doesn't know her and shoots her in the head. When, so I heard that... terrifying. So I heard that he said... He asked what her name was, and she said, It's Martha. You know me. And then he pulled the gun out and shot her. No, I don't, is what I've heard. Yeah, so, like, he basically wants to know her name and shoots her. And it's just weird. But that's still scary to see a car drive around a couple times. Somebody get out, walk up, and just shoot you in front of at least one witness. And he shot her in the head. Yeah. Like, they, they said that, like... They, he shot her so close that, like, there were burns mm-hmm. from the gun. Like, it was definitely, it was like an execution. Yeah. So the witness gets scared and drops his phone and runs off, which back then phones didn't cost that much. <laughs> no, it was basically, it was like a Nokia. Like, yeah. He dropped it and, like, the battery came out. Yeah. Like, there's no way my phone would be getting dropped now. No, I would probably risk my life mm-hmm. for my phone, so. The cops are able to track this witness guy down from his dropped phone, and he gives the description and sketch, all that. But this killer is so brazen to just drive around several times, so people get a description of the car, and then walks over to the victim. Yeah, just like, instead of a drive-by shooting, yeah. it's just like, ah, oh, I'm gonna get real close and, like, execute you. So thank God this game goes the way it does. It's tied in the ninth inning at 4-4, but by the end it ends up being 11-4, which that's... Pretty memorable. He even stops afterwards to look at baseball cards, so... He's spending more time at this stadium. That gives him more time. Deputy District Attorney is Beth Silverman, and she has never lost a murder case ever in her career. Don't like that. Yeah, she was an interesting person. Like she always sounds shady. She's so confident that one doesn't have an alibi, which I would love her reaction when she found out. Like, well, and when they were like, they were like, well, why didn't he mention his alibi sooner or something like that? And she's like, you'd have to ask him. It's like, bitch, do you know what you were doing three months ago? She said, well, why didn't he say he was at the Dodgers game while he was being interrogated? And she's so smug, and she's like, you'd have to ask him that. Again, this is three months after the game. Yeah, like. How can he possibly remember? You're already under all this pressure. Yeah, it's like, where were you May 12th at 6 p.m.? Like, yeah. you don't know. Nobody knows. It's kind of like the um, cereal. Like, when you think about the whole, when he's like, I don't remember what I was doing. Yeah. Juan and his girlfriend, I cannot remember her name. Alma? Alma, yeah. I should know that. <laughs> it's my grandmother's name. Yeah, I, I, I remember it because I, I think it's a pretty name, so. They couldn't find the ticket stubs at first until they finally found them in a Dodgers envelope, which how scary to have this piece of your alibi not know where it is. Know oh, that God. it's somewhere. If I had to find, like, a receipt for something. In your house? <laughs> yeah, I would be, I would be 
like dead like it the was emotions not well. they had to have gone through like we don't know where it is we don't know where it is oh here it is we found it like i already get frazzled enough when i'm searching for something for one of my kids mm-hmm. like i couldn't imagine if it was like my life on the line and his lawyer just somehow seemingly easily gets into contact with the senior vice president general counsel for the dodgers mr sam fernandez like i love that goofy ass photo they <laughs> He's in this expensive suit just tossing a baseball into the air. <laughs> He's not in this that much, but it's worth it just for them to show that photo. Oh, yeah. His lawyer is really trying hard to prove this dude's innocence. Yeah, he went the extra mile. Yeah, he got into contact with the people who sat around them at the stadium, try to see if any of them remember seeing one there. But unfortunately, they don't feel confident enough that they would testify in court. Uh, he's collecting other people's cameras trying to see yeah. if Juan can be spotted. Even the Dodgers' own camera tapes. What do they call them? Dodger cam? Yeah, the Dodger cam. He went through all of those, and then, what was it? They found... It's just crazy. There's over 40,000 people there that night. I think he said it took three to... days to go through all the footage. Yeah, they're trying to spot one dude. The camera footage wasn't... Yeah, he Good said enough. that it, it was it was too grainy for them to be sure you could that tell it was him. That, yeah, it's him, but if you're going to put this in court... Yeah, like, the, the footage wasn't sufficient. But top-shelf defense lawyer. Like yeah, this he, guy is he found in him, like, he was, like, counting the rows and, mm-hmm. like, you know, the whole sections and everything. Like, he was dedicated. That man earned his money. Juan isn't great with dates and basic information like that, which, yeah, totally common but he's really good at remembering small details, including they may have been filming something there the night of the game. He's been to countless Dodger games, but he remembers it being odd that there was extra security detail in the stadium. And there was an old white man walking yeah. up and down the steps. Some old guy walking up and down the stands, and that old man was Larry fucking David. Because they were filming an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, season four, episode six, The Carpool Lane. Which I... Loved that episode. <laughs> We've both talked about how we love Curb Your Enthusiasm, but can't binge watch it. No, I guess it's too awkward. Yeah, I get secondhand anxiety from it. My husband's on another binge of it, but I can't sit in the room with him if he's watching it. No, two episodes I max. Just, yeah, and then I get super sweaty. It's just getting himself in these stupid predicament predicaments where all he has to do is just shut his mouth. And it keeps has to have that last word. It's like, no, stop, stop. Yeah, so many, so many come to mind every episode. It's just another, yeah, no. So his lawyer gets in contact with HBO, who at first is like, yeah, we're not in the business of just releasing tapes for shows that haven't aired yet. Yeah, they were like, you're going to have to wait for it to to premiere. (laughs) I think it premiered in February, but still. Yeah, like, this man's life is on the line. But uh, Todd explains, you know, about Juan being in prison and going on trial for fucking death penalty murder. And so... They talk with David, or Larry David, and he's like, yeah, we can, we'll we'll just go through the tapes. And so they agree to let them go over the tapes, and they're going through the tapes, and it's just pure luck that they find Juan and his daughter on film. I can't stress enough to you how lucky this was. Yeah, it was insane. It's literally like he's walking up the stairs. To end the scene. To end the scene, and he happens to walk right past him. Mm -hmm. It is fucking just like who would have ever thought yeah Juan's daughter wanted something to eat or drink he doesn't remember so he walked her to the concession stand and on their way back to the seats they just happened to be sitting in the area where they're filming and they kind of held them off 
There's only them, two cameras filming this. They got so lucky. Yeah, it, that they it were was on insane. One of them. Like, and they weren't even supposed to be on camera because the guy, the PA, was like holding yeah. them off, and he finally was just like, "Oh, go ahead." Like, yeah, because they're paying customers. I can't keep them from their seats. Yeah, and so he just lets them go, and he happens to be getting back to yep. his seat right as Larry and David he walks, walks by, right into view of the camera. It gave me goosebumps. He even kind of like turned to look towards the camera, so you definitely see his yeah, face. Yeah, it's like clear as day. You see his face. You see his daughter. Everything. Yeah. And he was like four seats away from Larry David. I was so jealous. Yeah, he has some good <laughs> seats. <laughs> yeah, so they're literally at the end of the filming for the very last scene, and he happens to walk in at that last second. And I love the interviews at this point. The lawyer, Larry David, and the PA are just so giddy. All these years later, talking about the moment where they saw him on the The PA tape. looked like he was, like, close to tears. It yeah. was insane. Like, he happened to let this guy go past, and it saved his fucking life. So they know they he was at the game. There's You can't dispute that. No, there's footage. He was this there. This is home box office footage. The problem is figuring out if he was there long enough to rule out the murder. The last scene they filmed was around 9.15, but the murder happens at 10.32. They also mentioned the 911 call came in at 10.43. Well, that guy that had a long a way to run. huge gap in time. <laughs> He dropped his phone, man. <laughs> so now we're on to cell phone towers, which just when you think this guy is fucked, he keeps getting good luck, like, yeah. every turn. Yeah, and to be, oh, yeah, remember the whole OJ thing? This at least happened during, like, cell phone usage time, too. His girlfriend had been trying, calling him, trying to figure out when the game would be over, because her kid's out late, of course. You're going to be like, hey, where are you? Where are you when you're coming home? Oh, I'm Past totally, bedtime. I'm totally that mom, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I wasn't the only pain in the ass when it comes to bedtimes. His cell phone pings off a tower next to Dodger Stadium at 10, 11 that night. Which they only knew because of the whole, like, OJ, like, yeah. Bronco chase. Yeah. <laughs> like... And the radius around the tower is a mile. His attorney is saying there's no way he could have gone home, changed clothes, and carried out the murder. There's no way he'd get out of that stadium parking lot in that time. No, like, have these people been to any kind of event yeah. with traffic? Not only that, the witness had reported reported seeing the shooter's car driving around at 10 when he was still at the stadium. It just doesn't but work. It's still kind of in the early days of like cell phone tower information used in court cases, so I don't feel like the judge is really like hell-bent on, yes, this is it. Right, it wasn't damning. She does, however, say she took the interrogation audio tape home and listened to it over and over again. And had her children listen to it. The prosecution is telling her, this is the guy who murdered that innocent teenager, and yet she's hearing Juan's reaction on that tape, and she thinks it just doesn't sound like a guilty guy. And the prosecution is so adamant. We have a witness, and that witness is credible and says this is the guy, but again, eyewitnesses rarely mean shit. Oh, well, and we'll find out later, you know. Well, yeah. Some, some shit. So the judge finally agrees that there's not enough evidence to continue to take this to, like, an actual trial, and Juan is released. And boy, did I cry that first time he hugged his daughter. That was so sweet. Can we talk about how fucking brave that little girl was? She had to testify that she went to the game with her oh daddy, and her she's, like, sitting on that sobbing, lap, and she's just, and yeah. she's just focused on doing yeah, this. Yeah, she's like... I got candy, and yeah. I got popcorn. he's just crying. And it's I would have, too, just... because she's having to sit there and, like, do that something so that's scary, scary for adults. Yeah, yes. and she's, like, six. God. 
That's crazy. So Juan is thrilled. He bear hugs his lawyer and lifts literally him off lifts the him ground. off the ground. Did not think he was that strong. I no. was shocked when that happened. Yeah, he did not look like a big guy, but he said when he got out, all he wanted was a coke. Which I thought for sure he was going to be like, I want to go home and watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Let's watch Seinfeld, anything Larry David. Yeah, he's like, this guy is like a god now. But apparently he had never heard of Curb Your Enthusiasm or even knew who Larry David was. To be fair, it's a very white person thing. (laughs) I feel like Larry David would have laughed at that though. Yeah. Like he would have thought that was hilarious. He did purchase a box set of the show a couple weeks later. So in the end, Juan receives a... $320,000 settlement in a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles and its police force. And he used that money to get a college degree. Which which is amazing. Yeah. Detective Martin Pinner? Piner? Piner. I think it's Piner. You would think it'd be Pinner, but I don't know. He was removed from working homicide cases and his partner Juan Rodriguez was transferred to an auto fraud detail. So no penalty for these guys. No, they still kept their jobs. But Which is the, astonishing yeah. when you learn that there was no eyewitness. So with the help of the FBI, they discovered four other men who were responsible for Martha's death. And those men were given deals in federal court to serve life in prison without parole. Which, it's fine. So let's get into that now. When Martha testified that she hadn't witnessed anything in defense Jose, the cops, of course, go in, go to Jose Ledesma and tell him that not only did she witness the shooting, she's going to testify against him. They literally showed the six-pack with her saying, this is the guy who shot my friend's girl or boyfriend or whatever with her signature uh-huh. and said, Martha Puebla said you did it. It sounds really familiar and to then what said, happened to our buddy Juan. And then said, oh, you don't know Martha? Here's her picture. Oh, you still don't know her? Like... Well, yeah. she knows you. Yeah. Why would the fuck would you show a witness's picture? Like, I get lying to a suspect, but I have lying a problem with straight up fabricating someone, evidence. Yeah, fabricating evidence, using someone else's name to get you what you yeah. want, and then leaving. She had no idea they had thrown her under the bus. Yeah. She had no idea. Jose insists he doesn't know her, refuses to confess, but... He does go on to call a friend from jail and tells that person that someone whose name begins with the letter M was dropping dimes and needed to disappear. And they didn't bother to listen to the tape recordings of his phone conversations while he was in jail. For two years. It took him two years to discover this. He literally is calling and making hits, like Mm -hmm. taking hits out on people, and they did not listen. They bothered to record him in his holding cell to see if he talked, but they didn't think to like listen to his fucking prison recordings to see if he was talking. Oh my god, it pisses me off so So much. So this led to her parents suing the LAPD because, of course, you just drop this girl's name to the accused and then don't bother Said what she to looks listen like. to <laughs> his phone calls to make sure he doesn't try to harm this underage witness. She is literally a child, and they... And I use witness very loosely because she testified she didn't, she didn't see anything. Yeah, she didn't want to, and they didn't even bother to let her know that she was at risk. She's, like, hanging out with friends outside her house because she has no idea that, like, this fucking gang thinks she's snitching. She's not snitching, but... I'm doing my very best to keep it calm. Okay, I'm losing. I lose my shit. Like, but I, when I heard Christ, the case just file... Just pretend a little bit about protecting and serving. I, when I listened to the case file, I immediately, like, lost my fucking mind. <laughs> like I'm doing now. So, I was pissed. 
Unfortunately, what I read was the parents were also fucked over. The jury in the lawsuit said the cops were 20% responsible for her death, but she and her family were 80% responsible. So they paid the family one dollar. One fucking dollar. Responsible for her own death because at one point she told the police that Jose was a gang member. Gang member. Their excuse was that they offered her protection, but she turned it down because she was a fucking teenager and her parents didn't speak English to understand the severity of the situation. And not to mention the fact that she didn't know that they had walked in and told this guy, Yeah. Martha said you did it and she's willing to testify. She had no idea of that because she knew I'm not going to talk and I'm not going to tell anyone anything, but she didn't know they were fucking spouting off behind her back. it's... So the guys who were eventually arrested by the FBI are Raul Robledo, who was the one responsible for shooting Martha, Jose Ledesma, Javier Covarrub- how did they say it? Javier Covarrubias, and I could not find the fourth guy. I spent two hours searching, but it's made even harder because every article just goes back to talking about Juan. Like this girl's life doesn't matter just because this guy was arrested and got out of it because this funny thing happened. Yeah, Larry no, David saved his life. I get you so finally told me the fourth guy was Luis Sandoval, which, which I was I pulling my hair from... out trying to find the name of this fourth guy. I looked through lists of the gang members who had been arrested, tried to pin it down by who had been charged with killing witnesses, and his name did come up, but I couldn't find any articles related to him, so yeah, I so didn't there want to were... pin it on this guy for sure. So there were a couple really good LA Times articles that I read that were just like really good, um, that talked more about Martha than they did about Juan. Um, and then I the case file episode, so I listened to the end of the case file episode again, and it did mention his name, um, and he was just charged, he was the guy who drove the car, but also yeah. he was busted in the sting operation. Yeah. Um, and I want to say... The sting operation that seemed like they didn't really do until a cop was killed? Yeah, no, exactly. It All was, these other kids, stories of these other kids being murdered yeah, by literally gang, but... Teenagers being gunned down. You know what? No, I, witnesses being murdered. Yeah. But, you know, not, not a big deal. I also wish I could find a picture of Raru to see if he looked like the sketch since oh. he was the shooter. Yeah, that would have been nice. So a very angry ending to this. The cops who put a fucking target on this kid gets away with it. And it's so hard to find information about Martha's case because everything goes back to Juan's story. His story is tragic, of course, because he spent five months in jail and it shows how cops are more focused on just closing cases than solving him. But his case didn't even go to trial. Meanwhile, this girl was gunned down and her family barely gets any justice. And... A dollar. That is an insult. Yeah. It is more like giving them nothing would have been better than saying like her life was worth a dollar. Yeah. It absolutely makes me sick. And and then to find out that like when it came to Juan, they fabricated that evidence too. Yeah. Like nobody had picked him out of the six pack. They just faked that. And like I get lying to people to try and like convince them as a cop maybe, but like you can, like, go so far with yeah. that. Like, you can't just be, like, you know, your partner turned on you. Like, that's one thing. Because, like, if they didn't do it, they can be like, oh, that doesn't fucking make any sense. But, like, yeah. fucking, oh, my God. It just, it kills me. I just, I can't. I can't. This was a great advertisement for defense lawyer Todd Melnick, though. He, no, I mean, definitely. He like, has his own law office by now. <laughs> 
I would I would fly that man in. Yeah. I would be like, I know you don't live in cops. Texas, but I'm going to need you to come defend me. Like, he worked harder than these cops did. The cops didn't do sad. fucking anything. Yeah. I hope, I hope wherever they are today, that every waking moment that they have, they think about the fact that they oh, got they a 16-year-old girl killed. They don't care. They basically murdered them. Her, her, like... They do not care. They're getting their money. They... That's government money. Are the biggest pieces of shit. Yeah. This is, like, basically why some people don't trust cops. So, I enjoyed this documentary, but, yeah, I wish they would have gone over the results of Martha's case and how she was also fucked over by these same cops. Yeah, they should have lost their jobs. Yeah. I I understand it was about Juan, but... It would have been nice if they had expanded Especially more. if they show, like, hey, she also got really fucked over by these same cops that were doing this to him. Yeah. they. It could have been a whole documentary about dirty cops. Yeah. Also, listen to Case File, episode 134. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I love listening to that, but I can't because his voice is too soothing. It is really it soothing. It makes me very sleepy. I listen to it at work, and it's definitely, like, he has one of the best voices mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my life and I there are so many great episodes like I don't know if you've listened to the one um about the um is it the murder in like Afghanistan the Golden the... State Killer one was great that was like five episodes or something. oh yeah no I loved that one those um episodes and but there's one where he interviews like he does a whole episode about the murder of the family and I believe Afghanistan where the guy whistleblows on his um, the members that were like in the army with him who had mm-hmm. or I guess you know it was Marines maybe um, who had had committed the murder or whatever and then he does a later episode where he records or like interviews the guy who like blew the whistle on it and like got so much heat for like you know not being I guess a patriot I don't know like but I mean they raped and murdered a teenage girl so yeah. fuck them but anyway it was it was amazing so anyway yeah case file love it listen to it it's great so i think that's all i want to yell about i could yell for like six more hours (laughs) but i will stop but just understand that i still think about it all the time ever since i've heard of this it's just very frustrating yeah just fuck the heartless people i'm gonna stop getting my tummy all twisted (laughs) (laughs) All right, we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Doctomy. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomypod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomypod and find our Facebook group, Doctomy Podcast. Thank you.